This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a panel I recently moderated at the FCA Nova Small Business IT Day. The panel featured Dr. Kelly Fletcher, the Principal Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Department of Defense, and Stacey Boschanek, the Chief of Implementation and Policy and Deputy CIO for Cybersecurity for DOD. First, you hear from Dr. Kelly Fletcher, who's providing an update on the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, or CMMC, program. We are here today to talk about the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Program, or CMMC, and I want to hear from you on that. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the context, because I think that's really, really important. Uh, And that's frankly where I spend most of my time, is like, what's the big picture? What are we doing in DOD? So as I look to the next war fight, and this is really what we do at DOD CIO, is talk about how do we prepare DOD, how do we ensure our warfighter is ready for the next fight, whether that's in two years or five years or ten years. So we're really looking out into the future. And we look into the future, there's two big ways that we think that the warfight of the future is going to differ from what we've been doing. So I first want to say, you know, absolutely, in the past decades, we've been fighting a really tough adversary. We've been in the desert, and we've been fighting folks that are super tough. And uh, also, they weren't technologically very advanced. They weren't taking advantage of vulnerabilities we had. They aren't stealing our intellectual property. They're tough in a different way. So as we look to the next warfight, we think that our adversary is going to be able to take advantage of technological vulnerabilities. And I mean things that we're all familiar with, sort of from like a cybersecurity perspective. So our networks, our systems, you know, our computers. But even more than that, uh, I mean our weapon systems. I mean position navigation and timing. That's how we get our weapon to the right place at the right time. The electromagnetic spectrum, they're going to take advantage of all of those vulnerabilities. So that's the first thing. Oh, and then the other thing I think in that domain that's really important is We know that our adversaries are stealing our intellectual property. They're building our systems without making the investment in research. They're going to use our own systems against us, and they know where the vulnerabilities are in those systems. The second way that I think the next war fight is going to be really different is that data is going to be incredibly important. And I really think that this will be the deciding factor in the next war fight. And I think we see this all in our personal lives, right? But... When I think about a war fight, I think about like, man, we have to get the right data to the right person rapidly, and we have to make it visual in a way that they can understand it. We have to give them data so that they can make a decision super fast. Uh, And when we do that, I think we're going to win. But I see our small businesses as being folks that are helping us get the right data to the right place at the right time and to understand the data. And this is an incredibly critical thing that we're working on. So... I do just want to, I know a lot of you here are probably, you know, in the cybersecurity domain, you are cybersecurity experts, but I just want to acknowledge that not every small business uh, is focused on cybersecurity or IT or technology. And I'm going to give you just a little anecdote. So when I was the acting CIO of the Department of the Navy, I went to San Diego and I was talking to a group of small business owners and I was talking about protecting privacy information. So like social security numbers, that kind of thing. And uh, I told him, you know, what to do if something happened and what good practices were. And I thought, like, oh, I really nailed that. You know, they understand what to do. And then I left the stage, and uh, a small business owner, who was a construction company owner, came up to me, and he was very polite. But how I remember it is he said to me, lady, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, I was like, oh, 
Because this guy, he was an expert on building buildings. You know what I mean? He was an expert on concrete, and he was an expert on, like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like, I can't. He was really an expert in that. And all of this cybersecurity gobbledygook I had said was incomprehensible. He wanted to be successful, and he didn't know how to be successful. So I want to acknowledge that cybersecurity is tough, even for experts. And I want to acknowledge that what we ask you to do as our partners, it isn't negligible. It's not nothing. It's super hard. Uh, So just starting there. So the first thing, when I was sort of getting smart myself about where we are in CMMC, is I said, what are folks obligated to do today? This, I think, is a place map that sort of describes what we're doing to who. There's, within DOD, just tons of folks doing things. But what I want you to take away from this is that there's resources today. And then in addition to that, you know, in your contracts now, almost certainly you have some cybersecurity requirements. So let's say that you don't have classified data. You've got maybe federal contract information, so FCI, but no controlled unclassified information, no secret information, just FCI, which is still important. You're going to follow the federal acquisition requirement or the FAR. Uh, And there's 15 practices that are listed in the FAR that you should be today as part of your contract knowing that you're compliant with. Let's say you've got CUI or controlled unclassified information. Then you're going to look at the defense FAR or the DFAR. And there you're going to use NIST 800-171. So now hopefully this isn't gobbledygook, but it might be. But uh, we we will help you if it is. But so you're going to follow the practices in 800-171. Let's say that you've got secret, you know, even more classified data. We are not going to talk about that very much today. But basically, it's the National Industrial Security Program Operating Manual. So secret, that's where you go. So when I learned sort of where we are today, I was like, why do we need CMMC? Why are we doing this? And the answer is, there have been a number of studies that have shown that folks are wildly divergent in their compliance with what is in their contracts today. And I don't think it's because folks are bad actors. I think a lot of folks think that they're nailing it. But studies from the DODIG, uh, studies within the Navy, they've shown that it's mixed. So part of why we're doing it is because we want our defense industrial-based partners to be more secure. That's really important to us. It's really important to the warfighter. It's really important to the nation. Uh, the other thing, and something that I think is really, really, it resonates with me is, If you are investing in your cybersecurity and you've buttoned up your network and you are good to go, you shouldn't be competing with someone who hasn't. That's an investment of resources. And by resources, I mean money and I mean leadership attention. So I really applaud those folks who are doing that right now. But the problem is not everybody is. The other thing we've seen is that our adversary is interested in exfilling our data. We know that adversaries have stolen our intellectual property. Uh, This is bad for you as a company and it's bad for you as a part of our defense industrial base. So I'm not going to talk very much about CMMC 1.0 today, but I do just want to acknowledge for those of you who are like steeped in CMMC, you know, what what have we done here? Why did we move from 1.0 to 2.0? And the key takeaway is 1.0, really, really good effort, very, very robust. 2.0 we think is less onerous. It's streamlined. We think it's going to be easier for folks to be successful with 2.0. So that's really the goal as we move to 2.0. Fewer levels, I think it's, it's just a more streamlined approach. So with that, I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, what is CMMC 2.0? So there's three levels uh, shown there. The first one is for FCI, so federal contract information. You're going to have to do an annual self-assessment of those 15 practices. And I would just note, you should already be compliant with those in your current contracts. 
And you just got to check and do a self-assessment. Level two is controlled unclassified information. This is where you're going to do those 110 practices from NIST 800-171. And you'll either get a third-party assessment, and that's every three years, or you will do a self-assessment. So either way, you're going to get assessed. You'll do it. Someone else will do it. And the good news is here, let's say that you hit one of these controls. You're like, oh, man, number 87 is too tough. Great. You can do a POAM. You can say, I'm going to make a plan of actions and milestones. I'm going to buy myself a couple months to figure out how to do this. We're not tyrants here. We understand that these are hard. You also have to annually affirm. So you're going to want to look at your network every year and say, am I still compliant? Level three, this is where you're dealing with uh, controlled and classified information that requires protection against advanced threats. Uh, So some pretty important stuff here. You're going to need to do pretty much everything you did for level two, right? The 110 practices from 800-171. And then we're also going to ask you to do some of the things from 800-172. In addition to this third-party assessment, you're also going to get an assessment by the DIB-CAC, which is the DIB Cybersecurity Assessment Center. So that's a government-provided assessment. And that's, again, every three years. Even at level three, you can have a POAM. You can say, you know what? I'm going to come back and fix this in the next several months. And then you're going to need to annually affirm that you are achieving this. So even though the assessments aren't every three years, we need an annual affirmation. When I looked at this, I was like, man, this is, it's not confusing, but how do I even know what level I am? And the way you know is it's in the solicitation. So you're going to start to see RFIs, RFPs that say CMMC 2.0 level, and that's your level. So you know what you have to achieve. So the next question I had is, when is this going to happen? Because I think that's really important. If I were a small business owner, I would, you know, is it tomorrow? Do I need to go home and start? And the answer is you should start. But here's sort of our timeline. So we are writing a proposed rule change to Sections 32 and 48 of the CFR. And that is happening behind the scenes. There are people working super, super hard on this, but you are not going to see it. We at DODCIO are going to submit these draft rules to OMB, and then they're going to enter into the rulemaking process. Uh, I can tell you, I have learned a lot about how this all works in the government, and I'm 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 not giving you the details. So We think that the rule will be published for public comment in March 2023. So, yeah, a little less than a year. And the reason that's really important is this is public comment. Y'all have the opportunity to comment, and we want your comments. Uh, You know, I want you to say this is too onerous, this is expensive, this isn't onerous enough. We want those comments. And the way that you can do that is through the OMB website, and that'll be in March about. And then CMM 2.0 will be part of contracts as soon as summer 2023. So that's pretty soon, but it does buy you a year, right, to start getting after this. The way that you will know when you look at an RFI or an RFP or solicitation is that it's going to tell you very clearly CMMC certification is required at this level. So it'll never be a surprise, and it's not going to be backwards compatible. No one's going to surprise you here. So what I would say is if I were you, I would start looking hard at what kind of information do I currently have? Am I compliant with current requirements? And am I sure I am? The next thing I want to mention is, you know, sort of getting after, like, what if this is all, like, pretty overwhelming. And frankly, I think if I were trying to, you know, run a small business, this is just one of a thousand things you have to do. And I acknowledge that. So where do you go for help? Uh, The first place I would recommend going is the CMMC accreditation body, or the AB. They're nonprofit, and they're the folks that license these third-party assessors. And they just have a lot of resources. So if this feels overwhelming, check that out. 
Another place to check out is Project Spectrum. So there's a lot of information for small businesses that are part of the defense industrial base, uh, and cybersecurity is just part of it. And I believe they're actually speaking later this afternoon. I'm looking for someone to nod at me. All right, hey, hey. And then, okay, the third thing, which these are folks who might not help you with CMMC too much, but it's important to just know about them in your brain, is the DOD Cyber Crime Center. And this is in your current contracts. If you have an incident that involves DOD data, you got to call them. And what I would say about these folks is that they are, they are such professionals. This is what they do all day. So if you get into your network, you're looking at it, you're getting ready for CMMC, and you see something weird, call them. Because for you, this, I think, is going to be really scary, which is appropriate. But for DC3, they're like, yeah, it's Tuesday. Like, this is what they do all day long. So call them if you think you have an incident. So I want to wrap it up and give some time for questions. But I just want to reiterate, you know, small businesses are a big part of what we're doing in our nation for defense. You have a lot of important and sensitive information. And this is a real, this is a heavy lift, and we see that. It's a big ask, and we really appreciate you being excited about it, learning about it, and, and getting it done. We have to take a break. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a panel I recently moderated during the FCN Nova Small Business IT Day. The panel featured Dr. Kelly Fletcher, the Principal Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Defense Department, and Stacey Bostjanik, the Chief of Implementation and Policy and Deputy CIO for Cybersecurity for DOD. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing an excerpt of a panel I recently moderated during the FCA Nova Small Business IT Day. The panel featured Dr. Kelly Fletcher, the Principal Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Defense Department, and Stacey Bostjanik, the Chief of Implementation and Policy and Deputy CIO for Cybersecurity for DOD. In this part of the show, the panel takes questions from the audience. While you all think about your questions, I, of course, will have my own questions because, well, I'm a reporter and that's what I do. I got the first hard one for you. I'm going to go back to something you said at the very beginning, which is the two big ways the war fight of the future will be different. We know about the adversary advantage. We can go to that all day. But the data piece I'm really interested in, and maybe give folks a little bit of a heads up because I've been having some really interesting conversations with some folks in the Army and other places like PEO, C3T, about the thing called the data fabric. Yeah. And DIS is talking a lot about the data fabric. Maybe from a DOD CIO perspective, the high level, what, what is the fabric? Is it cotton? Is it synthetic? Yeah. Thank you. It is cotton. Appreciate that cotton one. is the fabric of our lives. Cotton is the fabric. So that's, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> is the future plastics? No. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely not. Anyways, but maybe talk a little about what, what is this concept? Yeah, no, great question. So when we're talking about data, I, and I should have brought this up, I really want to just sort of alert everyone that there's a new office stood up at DOD, uh, which is the CDAO, which is the Chief Digital and AI Office. Right now, Mr. Sherman, who's the DOD CIO, is acting also as a CDAO, but the CDAO has been announced, and it's someone with a lot of experience in industry and data, and uh, we are really excited to stand up this brand new office. There'll be a peer to the CIO, so directly reporting to the Deputy Secretary, and the goal of the Chief Digital and AI Office is really to get after data standards the best use of data. They're going to build, build and sort of manage and oversee the, the building of AI and ML solutions. And they're a combination of a number of things that were already happening within DOD, but now they're in one office for you know, both efficiency and to be more effective. So the CIO, I see us as an enabler for this data advantage. You know, we provide the transport. We make sure the data can go where it needs to go. But then this really cool, these tools, all of that, that is going to be CDAO. 
Another thing that I think is very critical about what we're doing in the data domain is that we're transitioning to a zero-trust cybersecurity posture. And what that means is we're looking to protect data, right? What do I care about? It's data. I don't actually care about my network. I only care about protecting that in as much as I can protect my data. So the CIO we really see as an enabler for this broader data. The reason why I brought the data and started there was because, in the end, CMMC is all about the data. It's a great program to talk about. It's given me plenty of news to cover over the last couple years. Got to follow around Stacy quite a bit. Not quite paparazzi level like some others, but I'm trying. I'm working on it. But um, but I think that's really the piece here. Is and you said it, it's it's stealing the IP. And if you don't protect your IP, which is your data and, and your plans, then there's a bigger issue. So let me start. Maybe bring Stacy into the discussion and talk a little bit about that piece of it. Is not just why CMMC, but but why is this data piece so focused on? Kelly's story was great. You've, I know you tell a very similar one about the welder, and yes. I won't ask you to do that one again. But Yes, well, but our data is what is important to us, right? We have capabilities that our services and our engineers have put blood, sweat, and tears into to develop so we can have military superiority, and in a nanosecond, it's gone. And somebody else has taken our data and our designs, and they've built their own, and we've lost our superiority. So protecting that capability, protecting that knowledge, it's like Pepsi. They aren't going to let the recipe go, right? They don't want some other company coming in and stealing their recipe because that's what their life is built on. And our warfighters are dependent on us to give them the advantage that they can be successful in any kind of armed conflict and we need to make sure we protect the data that is near and dear to, to being able to give them those capabilities. Yeah, I would just add to that, too. Something that I think is valuable about CMMC is that while it is an investment, and I think it's definitely an investment to be part of the defense industrial base, a lot of it is, you know, best practices. So I think about it, you know, for my home, like, I don't think it's likely that I'll be robbed, but I want to sort of I want to be as capable as my neighbor, right? I want to lock the door when I leave. I want to make sure my ground floor windows are closed. I think that uh, as DIB members, then the bar gets a little higher, right? It's a little more appealing. So then you want some more cybersecurity. But there's a lot of threats, and some of them aren't nation states. Some of them are just criminals. But by taking these actions, your whole network will be more secure against everything, frankly. All right, I see we got the first question come in, but I'm going to ask one more, and then we'll get to some other questions. Stacy, maybe give us the folks. Uh, Kelly gave a, did a nice job of telling us kind of up until a point where we're at. But there's a lot of questions. Okay, what's happening? Where are we going next? Just give us. I know you, there's, there's a limit to what you can say because of the rulemaking process. But we know 2023. What's happening between now and 2023? What are some of the things that you want to make sure folks know to get right. prepared for? So there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears going into uh, drafting the rule text, making sure that we have the program outlined in enough spe- specificity that it can be understood and people know what's going to happen. We're working on a bunch of tabletop exercises because I know, as I've heard from a lot of you, CUI is kind of this anomaly that you're not sure if you have it or not. We haven't identified it well enough. And so I I know a bunch of you, if you've heard me before, I was working on a guide for the acquisition programs to be able to know, right, something easy they can pick up and say, okay, this is CUI, this is at this level. We're going to be doing some tabletop exercises where we actually 
fabricate a, a program and walk the dog, make sure how it would look in a proposal, what we're looking for information-wise. We're going to have members from the DIB SCC participate with us so we can hear from your perspective, like, you know, that's a bridge too far, that's too hard for us, we need to re-wicker it a different way, to make sure that what we put together is an executable program that people can participate in and understand from the get-go what your requirements are and how you have to manage and handle things. All right, and uh, details, I'm sure, are still coming, but anything timing from uh, the tabletop or anything else you can tell us from... So my team hates me right now, right, (laughs) because I'm like, no, we need to get this done because it'll it'll inform the rulemaking process and will inform our policies. So we're pushing hard to get it done, and... So, you know, it's always nice when we get another uh, federal holiday, but Juneteenth is eating our lunch right now because we're like, wait, no, that's a holiday. So we're trying to work something in June, July time frame to make sure that we have it in time to, you know, inform our, our processes going forward. We have a first question that comes in. Interesting question. Is the DOD looking at any incentives to encourage CMMC adoption prior to rule completion? So we are praying and hoping that our DIB partners will be interested in early adoption of CMMC. It will be available. We've been working through the process. Now, OGC has told us that you cannot count on anything because anything can change in rulemaking, so everything at this point is pre-decisional. It is our intent that if a company adopts CMMC early, once CMMC becomes a rule, you will still have your CMMC certification valid for three years from that point. Understanding that if somebody brings up an issue with it in rulemaking, we may not be able to continue with that. We're also working to make sure that we can have a DIB-CAC high. So if you are an early adopter and you get a C3PAO to come into your spaces to help you, we're going to have them partner with the DIBCAC. So you will at least be assessed if you pass, if you meet the criteria at a DIBCAC high, and then once CMMC goes into effect, you will then have a three-year CMMC certification from that point. That's a great answer. You know, when I think about CMMC and what I would sort of be postured to do, I think it would be frustrating to me that this is opaque. And I'll be honest with you, it's opaque to us to some degree. And Stacy is the person who knows the most about it because there's so many things that have to happen and we don't have control over all of them. So on the one hand, you don't want to you know, rush out to do something that isn't needed to be done right now. But I would say by summer, if you know that you're CMMC compliant, if you feel confident in your networks and you've done perhaps some of this early actions, you're going to be super well-postured. Because you're going to see RFIs and you're going to see RFPs, and you're going to be able to get out there before others. So if it were me, I would want to be one of the early adopters, and I think it's going to get rid of a lot of competition. Although I could be wrong, and I think not in the long term, but certainly initially. Let's maybe put a finer point on that, because I think we don't want to create confusion. When we talk about early adopters, you're talking about somebody who's looking at NIST 171 and going, okay, there's 110 controls. I know what they are. They exist in the world. Let me see how many I meet and how many, I don't need to meet them all, maybe. So let's talk about the POAM capability. So what we've devised is, I think most of you are hopefully familiar with the DOD methodology for the CMMC, well, for 800-171, right? So the, the requirements were weighted. There were fives, there were threes, and there were ones. Allowable, you can POAM anything that's weighted one, 
and FIPS encryption. If you meet three of the five points, you can POAM the last two because we do recognize that that certification from NIST is the long pole in the tent, and we've heard your complaints about that, so that is a POAMable item. Now, those POAMs need to be closed out within 180 days. They're not open-ended like in CMMC like they are today. If I'm in the audience, I'm thinking, okay, I want to maybe get started on this a little bit early. I can look at those NIST 181, I can see how they're weighted, and I can start kind of going through my own personal checklist. Maybe I could get a third party if I want to. Yes. There's no requirement right now. But that's when you talk about getting ahead of it a little bit. That's what you can do personally, individually as a company. Yes. We have the assessment guides that are out on our website that kind of walk you through what you would look at, what are representations of what something like the requirement would look like in in play. Now, we understand each and every one of you have your own network design, not no two are alike. So you're going to have to look at it. If you have questions, if things aren't aren't, uh, straightforward in those assessment guides, Project Spectrum, who's coming up to tell you about it next, is right there to help you. They have tools. They have counselors. They have a lot of things to work with you. We've also worked very closely with the NIST-MEP organizations, and we have a close contact with them. So they're also being proactive in helping companies uh, become CMMC compliant as well. We have to take a break. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a panel I recently moderated during the FCN Nova Small Business IT Day. The panel featured Dr. Kelly Fletcher, the Principal Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Defense Department, and Stacey Bostjanik, the Chief of Implementation and Policy and Deputy CIO for Cybersecurity for DOD. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing an excerpt of a panel I recently moderated during the FCA Nova Small Business IT Day. The panel featured Dr. Kelly Fletcher, the Principal Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Defense Department, and Stacey Bostjanik, the Chief of Implementation and Policy and Deputy CIO for Cybersecurity for DOD. In this next part of the show, the panel continues to take questions from the audience. Uh, another question from the audience. Uh, the road to CMMC has been fairly expensive. At least it's been talked about as being expensive, especially for small businesses. Does the government have plans to release grants or something like that for CMMC? Now, I'm going to preface before you answer that, either of you. I think it's two and a half years ago, I think uh, the, Katie Arrington, who held your position or the similar position, made a big news at an event, and she talked about CMMC will be an allowable cost. And not only did I have to look that up, what it meant, but then it was like breaking news so uh, we were very excited about it. But, so without asking about allowable costs or not, but what's, what's the... So <laughs> allowable costs, right, is if you look in the FAR and the firmer, it talks about allowable costs that you can include in your overhead and G&A rates. So CMMC is an allowable cost. It's a cost of doing business, and you can include that in your overhead and G&A rates to be able to recoup the costs that you've spent implementing CMMC. Now... With regard to grants or loans and things of that nature, there was language a year or two ago in the NDAA that talked about grants, but it never got funded. We never got the appropriation for it. There is a constant conversation with the Hill, and I know you guys are helping us with that, to talk to the appropriators to say, hey, this is expensive, and, and if you could give grants, we would be beholding, right? We would all love it. And if that happens, the small business office will be who we will work with to help um, fund different companies in a grant s- scenario. Let me move on to, the, the, we can continue, there's plenty to talk to on CMMC. I, th- I think 
the next piece we got to talk a little bit through is um, you went through the three levels. Uh, it's great to hear that there's a definition happening around CUI. Maybe talk a little bit about what's the working definition is the right word, but, but what should folks keep in mind when they're thinking about CUI? How does it apply to them? Uh, is the example that Kelly offered, uh, the person in construction, and I don't have CUI. Well, actually, you do, and this is why. So maybe think, talk through it. Either well, one. So I, what I will say is I know that I have CUI when I see CUI written on the piece of paper that I am holding. So I, CUI is pretty... Uh, truthfully, and that's that's like for me the best indicator because it's it's complicated uh, if something is CUI or not, and classification is frankly very complicated. I think Stacy can say something more useful, but but I do just want to acknowledge that it's it's not easy to immediately know. No, so NARA, the National Archives site, has a listing of 126 categories of CUI. DOD. I'm has- sorry, it's 126. 126. <laughs> yeah, so this is. Easy peasy, we got them all memorized, mm, right? I'm always like, Mr. McEwen, I don't know if any of you have heard him speak, right? He says there are 126 categories, 99 of them the DOD has recognized that are important to us, and there are really only four that he really cares about. And we can always name off three, but we forget that fourth one, right? So it's not easy to remember, but if you look at the NARA website, you'll get an idea of what kind of information we're talking about. Now, for DOD... There are certain kinds of information that are more important than others. FCI, federal contract information, right, which is the 15 that you're supposed to have covered by that FAR clause that tells you those 15 requirements. And those are things that it's important to you because that's your important information where your account information is. So when the federal government goes to pay you, if that's not protected. So I met a construction worker in one of the functions that I did, and he had lost $40,000 because somebody had gotten in, stolen his identity through his cage code, and redirected his payment. And unfortunately, DOJ said, $40,000, I don't have uh, resources to apply to try to track down who stole that for him. The guy was just out of luck because the government didn't have another $40,000 to give him, right? They had made payment, but because he wasn't protected, his payment got lost. CUI at the level two, is information that the federal, the DOD would be concerned if we would have some pain and anguish if it got exfilled or taken by our adversaries in, out in the public eye. Then we have the level three, which is the CUI, which is associated with our critical programs. And I think you guys can probably figure out when you look at those categories which ones are are the critical ones that we wouldn't want anybody to be able to get a hold of. And so those are the things that you're going to see. If you are working on a program that you think would be critically important to the Department of Defense and our nation, then that's going to need the most important protections associated with them. And also it'll say in the solicitation. Oh, yes. So a single piece of data, right, I think you may need to sort of think about the categories but when you go for CMMC accreditation uh, and you're trying to figure out, should I do level one, two, or three, uh, the solicitation will tell you what level CMMC you need to be accredited yes. at. Yes. If you're going for, you know, we're building a weapons platform and you're part of that, man, I would go for three probably. One of the big concerns that I've heard over the years of following CMMC, and this was maybe more under 1.0, is, well, how are you going to deal with the number of companies? And, you know, well, I'm a small business. Uh, big business X is going to 
uh, have more resources to spend, and, and then there's the have and have nots. I won't be able to bid. Or right. uh, have you all talked about that internally about okay, how to how to address that that concern, real or perceived? It doesn't really matter if, if I'm a small business owner. Or I'm, I'm looking at this going. So, how am I going to get make make sure I'm competitive? Right. So there are a couple of different avenues that we've looked at, especially between CMMC 1.0 and 2.0. Right. So there is a recognition that there is a potential that we have some really new, innovative companies that are coming on the scene that may not have the ability to become CMMC certified, and we want that technology. We need to partner with these. The program manager of that program that's looking to engage with those kinds of companies will have the opportunity to to look in front of the RFP going out and say, hey, my market survey says the companies that I want to engage with are not there yet. And they will be allowed to waive the requirement of CMMC for that particular procurement. Now, that'll have to be done before the RFP ever goes out. And if you are the successful offeror on that RFP, you will be expected to pursue a CMMC certification within six to nine months of award of that contract. And there'll have to be a risk mitigation plan in place for how we're going to handle and protect that data while presumably you're vulnerable. So that's one way. The other thing that I would tell you is we are asking programs to put RFIs out first to give companies enough time and, and uh, notification that they're going to have, if they want to participate on a procurement, to get certified. I would also say that we're re- recommending now with our early adoption and promoting people, go ahead and start looking and understanding where you are and having those conversations with the C3PAOs if you think that you're going to be a company that's going to handle the CUI at that level. We have to take a break. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a panel I recently moderated during the FCN Nova Small Business IT Day. The panel featured Dr. Kelly Fletcher, the Principal Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Defense Department, and Stacey Bostjanik, the Chief of Implementation and Policy and Deputy CIO for Cybersecurity for DOD. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing an excerpt of a panel I recently moderated during the FCA Nova Small Business IT Day. The panel featured Dr. Kelly Fletcher, the Principal Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Defense Department, and Stacey Bostjanik, the Chief of Implementation and Policy and Deputy CIO for Cybersecurity for DOD. In this next part of the show, the panel continues to take questions from the audience. Kelly, you said something during your presentation about the, if you will, concerns about the stealing of IP and the next war fighter, next war fight, the war fighter will face an adversary potentially that, well, they've seen the, the plans and the setup. But the question, I guess, that comes to mind is just generally speaking, we're going to talk general, but, but how big of a problem is it? Do you get a sense of, of you know, the, the old, you, you're, there's two, two, two kinds of companies, those that have been hacked and those that don't know they've been hacked? I mean, is, is that the... You know, I'm definitely not going to say that. But, <laughs> I will. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for saying it. Um, <laughs> So what I would say is it's widespread. We know it's widespread. I think that it's, you know, certainly certain platforms have been targeted more than others, and there's some very exquisite data that I I think has been absolutely kept. You know, does the DOD have secrets from their adversaries? The answer to that question is yes, for heaven's sakes. Uh, Do our our industrial-based partners, are they able to keep secrets? Absolutely. But I guess I would say, like, frankly, any theft of intellectual property concerns me uh, because it's theft. Uh, it's theft from, 
you know, the warfighter. It's theft from the company that it's stolen from. It's theft from the nation. Uh, we're making an investment, and it's being stolen from us by someone who intends to use it against us. So I would say any theft of intellectual property has me concerned. Uh, that said, absolutely not all of it has been stolen. Uh, the, <laughs> um, how much? You know, I think it's difficult to say. It's less about the number or the percentage, but more about that. I want to go back to the beginning, which is it's about the data again. This is CMMC people get hung up on, well, you're just putting us through the ringer or you're, you're, you're forcing us to do something. And Stacey has said this and others have said this over the, the time frame is you should have been doing this anyways. So now you're being asked to do this. Uh, and maybe this is a broader question for the acquisition folks, but I'll throw it out to you all. Post CMMC getting kicked off and Stacey, three years or so we've been talking about this. 2019. So yeah, so three years. My understanding is there's been an uptick in, in the, the DIB's reaction to cybersecurity, meaning that CMC has woken them, some people up, make them start looking at themselves in a different way because of the preparation. Are you seeing that too? Do you get the, the conversations you all are having with the, the partners? Yeah, so I, I would say it's a crawl, walk, run, yeah. right? So I don't know how many of you have been around as long as I have, but the 7012 clause, they started that in earnest in 2013, right? Got a ton of pushback, finally got it into a rule in 2017. And then after that, you know, we had a few incidences like solar winds, the Columbia Pipeline, and now people are like, ooh, yeah, maybe. Maybe people are coming after me. Ooh, maybe it is an issue. So we have seen a lot more acceptance of the need for this. I'm not sure if I would say everybody's accepting how we're doing it, but they have accepted the need for us to be able to get secure and protect the data. To me, what really resonates is this issue of fairness, is that this is in contracts now, and we know we have totally divergent compliance. So if you're complying now with what is in your contract now, you're competing against folks that aren't. And I think CMMC is trying to get after that. I don't think CMMC is you know, perfect. I think any solution we come up with isn't going to be perfect, but it is our first attempt to get after that. And we have the opportunity to tweak it as we go. More yeah. questions have come in. All right, let's start with one. What levels are eligible for a self-assessment? Do you think the self-assessments will be valid? Well, I hope they'll be valid. I mean, yes. what's the point of that? But what levels? I think it's level one and... Some of level two. So what we are working through and with those tabletop exercises that we're working on today is going to ferret out where we feel that we can bifurcate level two, where we have prioritized and non-prioritized CUI. If you are a company that has FCI, you got to do the 15, you got to do that annual self-assessment and affirm that you're, you're compliant to those, right? For CMMC Level 2, with the non-prioritized CUI, a company will be able to do a self-assessment and then do the annual affirmation that they're still compliant with that assessment, and you would have to do the self-assessment once every three years. And... What we've said when we started looking at the universe of companies, because there's about 80,000 companies that are anticipated to be CUI holders, and undoubtedly you will not be uh, bidding on just one contract, I think the thought process is eventually everybody will end up wanting to participate on a procurement that needs a a third-party certification. But if you're lucky enough to be uh, only in in receipt of non-prioritized CUI, you'll be able to do that. Because we've got a lot of small businesses in the audience, can we talk a little bit about flow down, subcontracts yes. and stuff, and how that fits together? Yes. Not having a question. I, I know. Everything up. popped in all of it one time. I just yeah. made it up. It's flow down. 
right? So today, your prime contracts have a requirement in the 7012 to flow the requirement down through your subcontractors. And every subcontractor needs to be compliant. Same is going to be true with your 7019, your 7020 clause, and when 7021, which is going to be CMMC, comes into um, being, it's going to have a flow down through the sub subcontractors. So one of our tabletops is going to be working through the flow down of that data. So if you are a prime and you are in, re uh, in receipt of tier CMMC level three, you're going to have the critical technologies data that you're going to be working with. You're going to have to protect it at that level. When the critical technology part of that program is disaggregated from the other part. So I'm going to use, because I'm not an engineer whiz, I'm going to use something fairly easy, right? So the, the guidance control system of a missile might be something that we would say would be level three. But the propellant could only be level two. So if you are a sub that handles the propellant, you would need a CMMC Level 2 certification, and you would probably need to have that, that third-party certification done. If you are building the nose cone or the skin, depending on whether or not that is something that is proprietary or secret or something that's important to, to DOD, that could be FCI, right? If, or if you're a bolt pro provider, that would be an FCI type thing, and you'd only need to be CMMC Level 1. So we're working today to make sure that we have those processes and procedures in place that program managers and primes can easily understand how to disaggregate that data and flow it down through the supply chain so the subcontractors will know what level they need to be to participate. One more quick one. One more quick one. Uh-oh. How many people does the government have available to provide government assessments? And I think the better question is, when we talk about level one, the DIPCAP, would there be enough people in the DIPCAP with enough teams? Right. That's been kind of addressed through version two. So maybe walk us through, if you are looking for level three, what's, how's the DIPCAT getting ready or, or yes. what, other or what other avenues? So in the last issue paper cycle, the DIPCAC was plussed up about 140 people. They have already started hiring those individuals in earnest to make sure that they have uh, the capacity to handle the CMMC Level 3 certifications. And they are also the ones that are doing the CMMC Level 2 certifications for the C3 PAOs. And um, we are quite confident that the DIBCAC does have the bandwidth and the capability to handle anything that we are going to need in the future. That's all the time we have for today. You just heard an excerpt of a panel I recently moderated during the FCA Nova Small Business IT Day. The panel featured Dr. Kelly Fletcher, the Principal Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Defense Department, and Stacey Boschanik, the Chief of Implementation and Policy and Deputy CIO for Cybersecurity for DOD. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.